Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? Welcome back. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back. I know I've been absent. I've been absent for a week. Uh, been traveling. Uh, been doing some traveling. So uh, I had a spring break and so forth. So uh, my apologies for that. But I am back. I'm, I'm refueled, re-energized, ready. Uh, we got a lot to tackle. We have so much content to tackle. So let's get into it. Let's not even waste a lot of time. But first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. I know you have, guys haven't heard my voice in a long time. Like I said, been traveling and so forth. Uh, took a couple trips. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I hope you guys are doing all as well, being healthy. Um, Like I said, so... NFL free agency. Uh, we got some NBA talk. We got the NBA playoffs coming up soon. Um, I'm I'm looking to bring some people on, uh, but I, I I just feel like there's so much going on in the NFL right now. Obviously, March Madness, Tom Brady returns. Um, just so much quarterback movement, quarterback carousel. So there's just so much to get into. March Madness, college basketball, NFL talk basketball, NBA basketball talk, so much to, you know, just to unpack and just break down. But let's start with some top NFL free agency stories slash news slash breaking news, right? Uh, And let's start with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, right? If you know me, you guys know me well. If you're a regular listener, and first, and before I even get into it, shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you're a first-time listener, shouts out to you. Uh, shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you've been support, you've been supporting me for a very long time. I greatly appreciate you. I greatly appreciate you if you're a first-time listener. Hopefully, you come back for the following episode. Back to Cleveland now. The Cleveland Browns. Uh, they, they interchange quarterbacks, right? So we got Baker Mayfield out, Deshaun Watson in. That was the breaking news. Um, and let's start with Baker Mayfield and this whole situation between Baker and the Browns and this spoiled, rotten situation and relationship that I'm glad that's ended. Now, first and foremost, I could come on here and be, uh, I don't know, braggadocious i guess and you know brag I can, I can brag about how i was right all along for all this time about baker mayfield and the browns relationship um i can come on here and talk about how you know i could be i can give you guys my my regular my regular uh like diatribe and whole spiel on baker mayfield right i could i could that could be my approach because his time in Cleveland has ended, but that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do that because that's easy. That's easy. I can bang on Baker. I've been doing that for some time now. I can I can do that. That's easily done by me. I've been doing that for some time, right? But I'm going to say this about Baker Mayfield and this whole Cleveland situation ending, coming to a conclusion. When people show you who they are, believe them. When people show you who they are, believe them. When people tell you who they are, believe them, right? Simply believe them. And I think with Baker Mayfield, all this time, all along, he's been showing who he is. And 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 before I even go further and deeper into this, like, like I don't want to make this um just I don't want to make this like a segment where I'm calling Baker Mayfield a bad person. But in terms of the billing of being a number one overall draft pick, being the face of a franchise, and just now having this big ego and have, you know, all these progressive commercials and so forth. Like, with all of those type of things and titles, you have to have, there's certain tools that you have to have and maintain. Leadership, maturity, um, you know, a steady line of confidence, but also humbleness. Like you gotta have a, you gotta have these tools. And Baker Mayfield, time and time again, just didn't, he just didn't display these till these these tools and these skills 
on top of his play on the field being mediocre to below mediocre at times, right? Right? So I say this, this I say that to say this. When people show you who they are, believe them. There were red flags coming out of Oklahoma. There were red flags during the pre-draft process, the, um, in the senior bowl and so forth. It was, red, it was red flags at the start of his time in Cleveland, and it were red flags now him leaving and exiting Cleveland. There's been red flags all over the place about Baker Mayfield and how he's curried himself um, <clears throat> from the start. <clears throat> from the start. You guys know about the college incidents. You guys know, you know, the him calling out the him calling out the Browns medical staff, just not cool at all. So I don't want to make this a whole long rant, right? Because I, I don't need to. I think all the segments and all the things that I have talked about Baker Mayfield for the, for the past at least for the past two years, I think you can just take that up and wrap it and take it how you want it, right? Like I said, I was right about it. I don't need to go further. I don't need a whole 15-minute segment on it. But it just, it just goes to show you, this whole time, Baker came across, came across as cocky, arrogant. Um, and, and honestly, the cocky and arrogance, it was just – it was like some people liked it because it, they thought it was a part of his swagger. But the cocky and arrogance – just rose to a level where his play on the field couldn't really back up the stuff he was talking and the stuff that he was doing. And I bring up the progressive commercials. I talked about this for some time. And I was like, for a guy who is a mediocre quarterback, for a guy that really hasn't done nothing in this league, he sure damn does have a lot of commercials. He has more commercials than wins. He does more commercials than win games. And people thought I was being a hater. People thought I was, you know, picking below the belt. People thought I was poking jokes. And I was really serious. I was legitimately serious. All of that baggage that Baker came with, it just unraveled at the end. And now we have this. We have this utterly ridiculous. I find it utterly ridiculous that he told the Browns to trade him to the Colts like he has that type of leverage. Baker Mayfield does not have that type of leverage, nor, nor, you just don't, it's just a certain way you go about things, especially for a guy like Baker. You don't go to your team and request a trade and tell your team where you want to go to. You don't do that unless you're like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, we have a no trade clause. But there's just no leverage that Baker has to go request a trade. And then there's reports coming out saying that Baker was gonna, he was gonna potentially um sit out this year. He was gonna hold out this year. So he was gonna that was gonna be a whole that was gonna be a whole nother flood of chaos that was gonna be caused by Baker Mayfield. And which and when you look at Cleveland. Sure, when he first got drafted to Cleveland, obviously he was number one pick, so Cleveland was not good. But throughout the years, these last couple of years, these last few years, the Cleveland front office and the Browns have done a pretty decent job, a fairly decent job at building a pretty a, a pretty good team, I would say. Offensive line, they've 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 built their offensive line really well, smartly. Um, they have two they have two damn good running backs in the backfield. They have they have weapons on the perimeter. Um, you know, defensively, they have gotten better. Obviously, they you know they have pass rushers. So they have the Cleveland front office. Cleveland's front office have done a fairly decent job at putting together a really good core, a really solid core. Um, but Baker, for some time now, has stuck out like a sore thumb. And he he has been the weakest link in terms of this football team. He's been the weakest link. So there's there was turbulence coming into it, into this relationship, and there's turbulence leaving out of this relationship. I ne I never thought Baker Mayfield was um, you know, I never thought his talent was warranted 
of him being the number one pick. I didn't. I never thought his talent. Like I never thought his talent said, "Wow, this guy is the number one pick." I never thought his measurable. His measurable said, "This guy's number one pick." I never thought that. But regardless, Cleveland took him number one. Um, I thought the one strength that he had coming out of Oklahoma, he was dead. He was dead spot on accurate. His accuracy has slowly decreased. Uh, his completion percentage has slowly dipped throughout the past couple of years. So even a strength that he had coming into the league, it's it's no longer a strength anymore. It's a it's a weakness. So you tie all that in with Baker and then him like just lacking the tools of just self-awareness, leadership, maturity, cockiness. When you when you take all those things, you now have this. This this whole Browns and Baker Mayfield thing has come to a head and has concluded. And now you're out with Deshaun, you're out with Baker, in with Deshaun Watson. Like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but now let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, they then then after they traded for him, they signed him to a new five-year deal worth two hundred and $30 million. Let's talk about, okay, let's talk about the pros and the cons to this whole Deshaun Watson fiasco in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, so here's the pros and here's the cons. Let's start, It's a, and it's a, it's a troubling situation, not a troubling situation, right? But it's an interesting situation, peculiar, right? Because he's facing the civil lawsuit, the 22 civil lawsuits, right? And we, you know, that's it. That's the judicial system. We got to let that play out. But cons. His contract. Contract is he's, he's the highest paid quarterback in, in football. That contract comes with a lot of expectations, a lot of individual expectation and a lot of team expectations. Now, Cleveland, I wouldn't get my my hopes high because here's another con. The NFL is probably going to come down and suspend Deshaun Watson. Um, and, I, I mean, it's it's always difficult to, like, pinpoint the amount of games that the league could give a player for an action or or um, or a crime, I should say, right? Um, or for some type of, you know, any, any just disciplinary actions off the field that may have transpired, that may give the league a bad look. It's always hard to really pinpoint what what the suspension length looks like. You know, uh, I think Kareem Hunt, I think he got six games for what he did, or I, th- I, think, I think he got eight games. Uh, I think Ezekiel Elliott got six games for his sexual assault uh, incident. So with these type of things, it's always difficult to really pinpoint the, the suspension length. My guess... My guess, off just of my personal opinion and preference, I think Deshaun Watson will probably be handed six games. Between six to eight games. That's what I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking so he misses the first two months, theoretically, September and October. Um, so that's that's those are the con those are one of the those are a couple of the cons. Another con that doesn't really necessarily pertain to Deshaun Watson is the division. The division, the a- the AFC North has gotten better this offseason. Pittsburgh has made some really, really interesting moves. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see how it works with Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback position. But Pittsburgh is always going to be, you know, battling for uh for a playoff spot or to, you know for relevancy. Obviously, the defense is going to be really good, and then obviously they're led by Mike Tomlin, pretty good head coach, really good head coach. Cincinnati, obviously the defending reigning AFC champs. They have gotten better. They have buffered their offensive line, which was by far their biggest weakness last year. And then Baltimore, they'd be back healthy. They had, they were, Baltimore had dudes off the street in in uniform last year. So Baltimore be back and healthy. And the main, the main guy is Lamar Jackson. The main guy being back healthy and upright is Lamar Jackson. So you're thinking, you're looking at a division that's loaded. Um, you know, if, if the AFC West didn't exist, if the AFC West and the NFC West didn't exist, 
the AFC North may be the best division in football because you let's look at the teams. All of the team, all of the teams within the division have a really solid roster and have really strong points um, and strong units. So that's another con. Now, besides that, it's also Cleveland. So the like I said, the contractually, the money is a bit uh, it's a bit up there, um, especially for a guy who who's coming with some baggage. You know, uh, Deshaun, I think he's an elite quarterback. I think he is a superstar level or he can he can play at a superstar level at that level. But theoretically, is he a top five quarterback right now? Mm, Maybe, 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 maybe not. I my guess is he's not. I think he's around top six, seven, eight. You know, he's six, seven, eight range. That's where theoretically I have Deshaun Watson. Granted, he didn't play all last year. So those are the cons. Now, the pros is this. Deshaun Watson, first day he walks in, he is automatically the Browns' best talent ever at the quarterback position. Deshaun Watson, hands down, is without even playing a game, without even winning a game, he is the best talent that the Browns have had at the quarterback position. That's a pro. They automatically, from Baker to Deshaun Watson, you get you automatically get an upgrade at the quarterback position. Secondly, you now have a quarterback that can duel and battle, and you can you can argue, you know, at least with Deshaun Watson, there's an argument with him and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Like with Baker, there was no argument that Lamar Jackson was just better than Baker, and then it didn't take it didn't take Joe Burrow long to prove that he was better than Baker. So I think that's another pro. Um, I think another pro is Cleveland has a really good roster. I think collectively Cleveland has a really good roster. They they got some things that they got some things they're working with. I like Kevin Stefanski. For the most part, I think Kevin Stefanski has done a, a decent job. Um, but then you look at what they have offensively. You start with the offensive line. You start with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's where the offense starts from. You know, I think now with a guy like Deshaun Watson on the center, um, you don't have to your play calling doesn't have to it doesn't have to reflect and look like what it did with Baker Mayfield because Deshaun Watson doesn't have those. He doesn't have uh, that ceiling. He doesn't have certain limitations that Baker had. Um, So that's one thing. Your offensive ceiling goes up. Uh, And oh, I forgot to mention one other con. That I don't that I, that doesn't get talked about a lot, and I'm not worried about it too much. But he does have knee problems. Deshaun Watson has had some had he's had a couple torn ACLs, so that's that's obviously an issue. Now his play style, <clears throat> you know, he's mobile. He gets out of the pocket. He makes plays outside the pocket. So there the the risk of that there's still a chance that that can you know still be a deterrence um, or a, a negative per se, but. In, in terms of protecting him in the pocket, the Browns should be able to do that pretty well because they have uh, they have built up a really, really strong offensive line unit. So that's that with Deshaun Watson. Like I said, I know some people may feel a bit bothered that Deshaun Watson, you know, landed in Cleveland. Um, and, you know, some people might be a bit disgusted, you know, depending on your moral compass and where you land and where you stand. Uh, like I said, Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, he was, he was accused. Allegedly, he was accused. Uh, oh, not allegedly, he was accused of 22 women of sexually assaulting 22 women. Now, like I said, he his criminal charges got dismissed because they didn't have enough evidence. But he still has 22 lawsuits, civil lawsuits on the table. So we'll see how that works out. But like I said, I think the one big thing going into the season that I want Brown fans and, you know, people that's hype about the Browns and that's ready to buy the Browns stock is this. Deshaun Watson, I think indefinitely is going to miss the first month of football because of I think the NFL is going to come down and they're going to suspend him. Um, That's just I think that's just how it's going to go. Now, how long we can argue about that? Like I said, my personal preference, my my personal opinion, I'm thinking maybe six games. So first month of September um, and then, you know, a couple of October, he missed a couple games in October. That's my personal, that's my personal preference. That's the way I see it going. 
Um, and those are the pros and cons to Deshaun Watson. Other than that, like the off the field stuff, I know it's just hard to wipe away from your mind because that's you know, when you hear Deshaun Watson over the last year and a half, when you hear Deshaun Watson, that comes up. The 22 sexually assaulted that comes up, allegedly. That comes up. So I know it's kind of hard to remove that out of your minds, but within the game of football, he's an elite quarterback. He's an elite quarterback. He's an elite talent. He has the potential and he has the talent to play at a superstar level. So I think this is definitely an upgrade for the Browns. And the Browns organization and fans should be happy about in terms of on the field. Now, off the field, you can feel how you want to feel about it. Like I said, that's up to your moral compass and so forth. But on the field, he is certainly an upgrade, and he is something that the Browns have never had the quarterback position. As far as the talent, he is. they have never had somebody like Deshaun Watson under center. That's that. So <clears throat> I want to move on to the Green Bay Packers, uh, a team that was faced that had a lot of um, swirling – you know, a lot of conflicting reports and, you know, the the future looked really blurry um, in Green Bay for for uh, for some for Aaron Rodgers and so forth. <clears throat> so after the playoff defeat of the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers question was, you know, his future was in question in Green Bay. It's, it, oh, along with the, the, uh, Devontae Adams. So. And I think it's really interesting because now we all know what we all know what's been happening. I talked about Aaron Rodgers and his extension on the previous episode that I did, right? Um, and Devontae Adams, before he was traded, he got franchise tag. Uh, Devontae Adams, he was going to refuse to play under the franchise tag, so the Packers end up making a move and trading him to the uh, to the I was going to say the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. So we we're, we now I gotta I want to now dissect this trade a little bit, and I have a bigger point that I want to get to. the 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 fact of the matter is, Green Bay financially had to make a lot of sacrifices this offseason. They gave up their best pass rusher, they gave up their best pass catcher, and Aaron Rodgers. He 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 got his money. Um, and you guys know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I talk about Aaron Rodgers quite frequently on here, and it was no surprise that I, I that he stayed. Um, a lot of the reports, you know, coming out about him before he signed the extension, about how he was working with the front office and so forth. Um, you know, I think I definitely thought that him standing Green Bay was the best option in terms of trying to win. Now, him staying in Green Bay and having a $50 million per year salary, that that's not the best way to win. Because with that, you now take up a lot of cap space. You're, you're now a huge cap hit. You're in huge cap hit, and you're taking up all the money. Some of that was supposed to go to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was probably looking forward to a long-term deal. Um, many would argue that Devontae Adams, over the past couple of years, has been the best receiver in football. And if you just point to his stats, since 2018, he's led the NFL in receiving yards, receiving receptions, and receiving touchdowns. Now, he gets traded to, Oak, he gets traded to Las Vegas. He's with his old college pal, Derek Carr. Let's unravel this thing right here with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams because I think there's a bigger I think there's a bigger thing at play. Now I do think what the Packers got in return for Devontae Adams, I do think it could pan out and work in their favor. This has this has like remember when the Raiders traded uh, Khalil Mack to Chicago. And Chicago gave up a, you know, they gave up a ton to get Khalil Mack and they paid him. So they gave up a ton to get Khalil Mack. And on top of that, they end up having to pay Khalil Mack. So, and, 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 you know, years down the line, you look at who won that trade. It's like, uh, Chicago, you would have thought Chicago won the trade because they got the best player in the trade. But ideally, it, 
Chicago, the trade really didn't do anything for them. They just had a great defensive player on top of the great defensive unit that they had, but it only mounted to one playoff win. So with the Raiders, again, just switched. This has Khalil Mack kind of written all over it, you know? I think, and and this is not me saying Devontae Adams isn't a good receiver or isn't a great receiver. I think he's a great receiver. But we're looking at a guy in Devontae Adams who he commanded and he got 20 million, he got 20 plus million dollars per year. That's what he's making. Now, mind you, Devontae Adams, he's nearing the age of 30. Um, he's not the fastest guy. He, you know, he's a really good route runner, but he's not like athletically the best guy that got the, the you know, he's not the guy that got the athletically that has like the best measurables. So at 30, he's not going to get any quicker, right? Or approaching 30, he's not going to get any quicker. So there, there is some warning signs here with the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams. Superstar receiver, they pay him, they give up, they give up, they give up a boatload to get him, and so forth. So there, and then you look at what Green Bay has. Green Bay can, this is in theory, they can flip those picks. They can, and he's a salary relief. The big, the two big thing is, Green Bay, they get more picks. They can flip those picks and turn those those picks into skill position guys that they want to draft. And then, Devontae Adams, that was a salary relief. That was a salary cap relief. Now get this. So that's that's how I think it could work with the Raiders and the Packers trade. The Packers, in theory, can flip the picks that they get into skill position players that they want to draft and use that additional salary that they that they now have relinquished by trading away um, Devontae Adams to Vegas and, and use that money elsewhere, right? Put it in other holes to fill, or you could just go out and get, you know, a younger receiver that you may like. I don't know. But we'll see how they utilize the assets they got back in return. But with the Raiders, you now have a superstar wide receiver, but you're excuse me, but you're still in the best division in football. And you have, and I like Derek Carr a lot, but in theory, you have the worst quarterback in the division. So we'll see how much it pays off to have Devontae Adams on the Raiders, right? Now, here's the bigger, here's the biggest thing for me, right? And I think this says, I don't know if this says a lot about Aaron Rodgers or it's just one of those situations where you got to look out for yourself, right? Um, You know, it's like, you know, you hear people always say, like, it's a dog eat, it's a dog eat dog world, right? Um, You know, I I think with, with Devontae Adams and his exit message from Green Bay, he he forgot to mention Aaron Rodgers. Now, mind you, at the beginning of the offseason, Aaron Rodgers, there, there were some reports. Aaron Rodgers is working with the front office. He's now um he's a, he's now gonna be a part of the front office planning for the future. Aaron Rodgers got soon, got his extension. And Aaron Rodgers also mentioned the fact that he, you know, he was asked about Devontae Adams and his contract situation, and he mentioned the term franchise tag. So, you know, there was a little bit of there, you know, that that comment stirred up some drama as well. So we now have Rogers working with the front office and their future plans this offseason. Devontae Adams not mentioning Aaron Rodgers in his exit, me- you know, message. Right. And his message and, you know, leaving Green Bay. Hmm. I think this tells you all you need to know about Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers being part of the future and planning ahead, he also gets a new contract and Devontae Adams gets tagged and then they then trade him. Adams doesn't thank Aaron Rodgers. This tells you all you need to know what happened and what was going on in Green Bay. This seems as if this was a very 
calculated move by Aaron Rodgers. And, like, and that's why I mentioned the first aspect of this segment. It could very well pan out in the Packers' favor. With picks, with the abundance of getting picks back, flipping those to assets, and also having the cap being relieved because you moved off of Adams and you traded Adams, it could very well work out. It could it could work out in the Packers' favor. But it just seems very calculated and some could say very conniving and sneaky by Aaron Rodgers. But the mere fact that Devontae Adams did not thank Aaron Rodgers in his thank you letter and Rodgers was working with the front office for the future and also got a new contract, I think that just gives you a glimpse of some of the drama that was transpiring in Green Bay. I think that's that I think that is a that is an outlet. That's a small outlet, and it, it's, it gives us a little bit of insight of what was happening in Green Bay. <laughs> it's like, uh, like you know, it's like everybody hates everybody. It's one of those things. You know, when it comes down to it, Rodgers is going to look out for himself. Now, like I said, is, it, is, it, is, is this Aaron Rodgers showing his true colors, or is this something anybody like 98% of us would do because what if a, Hey, what if, what if your boss comes to you and be like, okay, well, you can get a new contract. We're giving you a raise, but in order to get this raise, you know, you got to let someone on your team go. Uh, you, you know, you're going to look out for yourself. N you know, most majority of people going to look out for themselves. They're going to take the raise. They're going to take the new found spot and promotion and they're going to, you know, they're going to let the other person walk. They're going to let whoever walk. And I think that's just the case here in Green Bay. I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying Rogers, we all know Rogers' personality is is very flaky. And he's, uh, I, I think Rogers, very flaky and arrogant and, you know, but when it came down to it, he chose himself. He chose to help out himself. Um, I don't know if this is the route that's going to lead the Packers to more playoff wins and eventually more Super Bowl wins, but I think this is just a glimpse. Maybe this is a glimpse of Aaron Rodgers and who he is, or maybe this is just someone looking out for themselves, and 99% of us would probably do the same. I don't know, but... It's going to be very interesting to see how this trade plays out because with Rodgers getting a new contract, Devontae Adams, who was ultimately his number one go-to target at all times, gone. Does this really spell Super Bowl contending for the Packers? I don't know. I don't think so. At least not this year. I don't. I don't really see it. I don't see this leading to a Super Bowl or a path to the Super Bowl for the Packers, even, even in the weekend NFC. I just don't. That's I just don't. That's just my take, though. That's just my take. Um, I think there's a bigger there's a bigger thing besides besides the Devontae Adams trade. Like it's awesome that the Raiders get Devontae Adams, but ultimately, like, yes, he's a superstar receiver, but. Devontae Adams, he's prone to miss a couple games a season. He's nearing the age of 30. Um, and the Raiders, they have, like I said, like just by default, they have the worst quarterback in the division. That doesn't necessarily spell success, usually. And I and like you said, like you guys know me. I like me some Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is very much underappreciated, but he ain't better than Patrick Mahomes. He ain't better than Justin Herbert, and he damn sure ain't better than Russell Wilson. So <laughs> that leaves him as the worst quarterback in the division. And if I had to pick roster by roster by roster, the Raiders probably have the weakest roster in this division, this loaded division. So if there was a team that would be left out, it would probably be the Raiders. Simple as that. Um, and with the Packers, like I said, the Packers, they're going to, you know, Rodgers staying in the NFC North, 
it's obviously going to help him because Chicago's completely rebuilding. Um, Detroit is always a dysfunctional mess. And then, and then we have the Vikings who have seamlessly underachieved year after year. So there's no real threat in the NFC as of right now, in the NFC North as of right now, that we could possibly see the Packers having trouble with in terms of winning the division. We'll see where that goes, though, in terms of the Packers and their postseason success. I'll be back after this quick break. Okay, so <clears throat> more breaking news. Uh, this offseason is crazy. This offseason is wild and it's crazy. Um, so we have more breaking news. <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs, and this has all of a sudden been brewing, but the Kansas City Chiefs could not come up with a contract extension negotiation. They couldn't negotiate a new contract extension um, with Tyreek Hill. So in result of that, <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs are trading away Tyreek Hill. They're trading away Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins for five picks. The Dolphins are giving the Kansas City Chiefs five picks for Tyreek Hill. Uh, I'm going to read out the picks. So they, the Chiefs, they get they get three picks in this year's draft. Those three picks are the first-round pick, uh, which is the 29th pick for the Dolphins, uh, the, the Dolphins' second-round pick, uh, and then the Dolphins' fourth-round pick. And then next year, they get the Dolphins' fourth-round pick and the Dolphins' sixth-round pick for next year. So in total, five picks, five picks that the Dolphins get uh, or that the Chiefs get from the Dolphins in exchange for Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill, he wanted a big-time deal. Um, he wanted a big-time deal. Kansas City had a deal on the table. Uh, but the, the Devontae Adams deal, apparently, to apparent, supposedly Drew Hosenhaus and Tyreek Hill, they were on the cuffs of a new deal, the Chiefs. They were on the cuffs of a new deal, but then the Devontae Adams deal had happened, and then Tyreek Hill wanted a better deal. So, in result, Kansas City had to let him walk, and they traded him. Now, for the, for the past couple of seasons, and I, I want to talk about both aspects. For the past couple of seasons, I have talked about the Chiefs and how they have become very top-heavy. They're paying a lot of guys. And, you know, and at, at, at this point, either this offseason or the following offseason, I knew someone significant was going to have to be dropped, traded away, cap casualty, because you can only pay so many dudes top dollar. And I think with and this speaks to unlike Aaron Rodgers, who is all in it, it, it like I, I'm not going to say he's he doesn't want to win. But boy, with these, with with the following actions that have happened and and the things that's happening in Green Bay, it it seems it's it's just a money thing. It seems like it's just a money thing. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. So, in terms of Rogers, it, this speaks to Patrick Mahomes and the 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 sense of maturity the leadership that he's bringing, that he comes with. Mahomes, since signing his mega 10-year deal, right, he's restructured his deal every offseason since he signed that deal. So he has no problem restructuring, re recalibrating his contract, re you know, reconfigurating his contract. That speaks to the level of leadership. Despite that, when you're the Chiefs and you're paying Chris Jones, you're paying Travis Kelsey. You're paying Patrick Mahomes. You're just paying so many guys. You're you you know you're gonna you're paying Orlando Brown. Like you're just paying so many guys in a salary cap stra in a salary cap strap league like the NFL. It's bound to happen. And let me tell you this: I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, Tyreek Hill is irreplaceable." And I will say this about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's speed, you can't duplicate that. With Tyreek Hill, his abilities and his talents, you can't really duplicate that. Like, you can't. Like, his, his, his fast, his speed is different. 
it's it's different. It, like he out like you know how some dudes are fast and they just outrun guys. With Tyreek Hill, he is so fast. He outruns even fast guys. Like the guys that we think are fast, Tyreek Hill just outruns them. So his ability to be able to stretch the field and give give Mahomes and can that Kansas City offense that dynamic over the top deep post route running juggernaut machine that he is it's incredible it's incredible so that can't be duplicated but Tyreek Hill may be the best deep threat in in football but I think I think Patrick Mahomes is good enough. I think Andy Reid is a smart offensive mind. I think Travis Kelsey is talented enough, and I think I think the other guys that they're bringing on, like they brought on Juju Smith Schuster. I don't I don't necessarily love him as a one, but I think he's a really good player. I think he's a I think he's a decent receiver. I think Valdez Scantling is a decent receiver. McCole Hartman, um, you know, he's not as fast, he's not as dynamic as Tyreek Hill. But he has similar elements. So when you bring in that factor in, yeah, Tyreek Hill, I get where people are saying he's irreplaceable. I wouldn't say irreplaceable. I would say what he does and how he does it in the fashion that he does it, you really can't duplicate that. It's really, it's going to be really hard and difficult to duplicate that. But Kansas City can win. And I think they will be fine without that. I think them and this trade, <laughs> you know, in the NFL, typically these types of trades, we just look at them and we look at the team that got the player, the best player in the team that just got picks. And we're like, uh, Dolphins won this trade. Just like I explained the Raiders trade with Devontae Adams. Just like the Raiders traded Khalil Mack, and everybody thought, oh, my God, Chicago's defense is going to be amazing. It only equaled up the one playoff win. Devontae Adams, I think he's a great receiver. I think he's a great receiver, but he's nearing 30. He's nearing the age of 30. He's not the quickest guy in the league. He's not the fastest guy. (laughs) He had, he's 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 playing with a quarterback who I like, Derek Carr, a lot, but he is the the worst quarterback in his division by default. Just saying. And Devontae Adams is injury prone. And with Tyreek Hill, okay, he is very fast and he's a great vertical threat. Tua Tonga Valoa isn't Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> The Miami Dolphins doesn't ha- they don't have an offensive engineer. They don't have an offensive mastermind like Andy Reid. So if you're asking me who's going to miss who more, I think Tyreek Hill is going to miss Kansas City more than Kansas City misses Tyreek Hill. And I know everybody thought the Chiefs were going to be the next dynasty. You know, I've been having this talk and this conversation for some time now. Um but everybody thinks the Chiefs were good. like after the first Super Bowl, people were wondering how many how many Super Bowls can the Chiefs ramble off, right? And you know, the following year they got back to the Super Bowl, they lost to Tampa Bay, and then this past year they lost an AFC Championship game. So every year Patrick Mahomes has been a starter, the Kansas City Chiefs have reached the AFC Championship game at least. They've won the AFC Championship game two times. They've won a Super Bowl and they lost a Super Bowl and they lost in the AFC Championship two times. Dynasties, and I always say this about dynasties, dynasties don't last as long as they all should. Just like the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody, after Seattle won that first Super Bowl, everybody like, oh, wow, this, this is a nice young core. They can ramble off a couple of more. It never lasts as long. The 90s Cowboys, it never lasts as long. But in NFL, and this is why you got to take a page out of this is why you got to give credit and you got to you got to take a page out of the 20 year dynasty in New England. Granted, 
it may look I know a lot of people in Kansas City. I know a lot of people looking at the AFC West is like, that's the best division ever. All of the teams have improved. I think as of right now, I think Kansas City probably has the second best roster in the, in, in the, in the division. Probably the second or third best roster. But regardless, in terms of contain, like maintaining a dynasty, quote-unquote, right? Because Kansas City, uh, well, I'm not going to say they're a dynasty. But they have been playing, they, they have been championship contenders, and they have been legitimate threats to win the championship every given year since Patrick Mahomes has been a starter. So we're going to treat this like it's an ongoing dynasty. And the way how you keep this up in the NFL with, with the NFL being a salary cap strap league, you got to have a great quarterback. And your great quarterback, your great quarterback can't be the highest paid guy. And Mahomes has figured that out really quickly. He signed a 10-year deal. I thought you can go back and listen to my episode when the when he first signed a 10-year deal. I thought the 10-year deal, it wasn't as crazy as everybody thought. The 10-year deal that he got, it was a very team-friendly deal, as opposed to you look at a you look at a contract like Dak Prescott's. Dak's deal is less team-friendly than Mahomes' deal. Mahomes' deal is way more team-friendly. Than a lot of quarterbacks' deals. Mahomes has restructured his contract twice, so that's no problem. The second thing you need, I think you need a great coach. You have a great coach. Andy Reid, yeah, he's 65 years of age, but he is still a top-tier level. He's a high-end offensive whiz. When it comes to breaking down football, he is a high-end offensive whiz. You had that on your side. And then the last component, ingredient, you got to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I think New England and I think Belichick has done, they like throughout their 20 year duration, right? In terms of their dynasty, they did a really good job of not falling in love with players and just rinsing and repeating. Now, unlike New England offensively, Belichick failed to draft guys. He failed to draft the proper skill positions. I'm going to take a guess, and I think Andy Reid and Kansas City's front office, with them being so offensive-minded and offensive-centric, I think they will be able to recuperate better and rinse and repeat. You got And what I mean by rinse and repeat, I mean by drafting well. I mean by utilizing draft picks well, utilizing assets well. You know, trading trading away Tyreek Hill freed up $20 million in cap space. And in addition, you got five more picks. Doesn't really matter how you want to use them, but you got five more picks. So, essentially... You know, I know a lot of people in Miami, or if you're a Dolphins fan, you're probably excited. And this is where, like, you know, a lot I know a lot of people are like, oh, Kansas City, this, Kansas City, that, like they're done, they're done, they're they're done, they're not gonna no 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 no. I think Kansas City's gonna be just fine. I know I know right now their conference is loaded. I know their division has gotten better and it's loaded. Um I, I do think this is it's it's gonna be an adjustment that Kansas City has to make. By not having that just explosive, just dominant vertical threat down the field, it is going to take some adjustments. But I think if any, if there's any pair of quarterback and coach tandem that I can believe in, that I trust in, that can make this type of adjustment, it's going to be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes is just, I think he is good enough. I think he is damn good. You guys know how I feel about Patrick Holmes. I think he is damn good enough to overcome this loss. It's going to take an adjustment. Early on, it may seem like Miami won the trade. It may seem like Tyreek Hill. And this is no anti-Tyreek Hill, but this is me explaining. This is the process of trying to continue out and add some more years to this run in Kansas City. That's what they're doing. 
Because if they just would have gave in to Tyreek Hill and given him the biggest contract that, re, that you know, make made him the highest paid receiver, they'd be strapped and stuck. They'd be stuck and unable to make any further moves in the future. So does this move, does this move make Kansas City better at the moment? No. Does this move put Kansas City in the, like, this year, this upcoming year, does it put them the best chances or the best odds to win the Super Bowl? Mm, probably not. But does this give them years down the line, years in the future to win more Super Bowls? Does this give them a better chance? Yes, it absolutely does. And that's what I mean by extending the run. You pay him, you make him the highest paid receiver. Hmm. Uh. You know, uh, you make them the highest paid receiver, you give in and your salary cap strap because you're paying a lot of, you're paying dudes top tier money. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Look at the Green Bay Packers. Packers had to give away their best pass rusher because they're salary cap strapped. Kansas City, smart organization, smart front office. I believe in them. Um, Let's look at it from Miami too. Let's look at it from Miami aspect. Now, <clears throat> With Miami, right, I know a lot of people are excited. And I think, you know, to be honest, outside of the Brian Flores firing, I think Miami's done a really good job this offseason in terms of, you know, piling up and stocking up offensively. Uh, Because when Flores was there, I, I say this about Flores. When Flores is there, he was building up the defense. And the defense was really good, but the offense had some limitations, wasn't really good at receiver, um, it, it, you know, so the offense didn't get a lot of attention. So I do like the pivot that Miami has made, you know, being a little bit more offensive driven and focused. But on that same note, and now on that flip side, I'm looking at a guy like Tua Tonga Valoa. And that's where my hesitancy come. And Tyreek Hill, like I said, Tyreek Hill, I think is a really good receiver. Um, Maybe Miami gave up a little too much, uh, and the payday was a bit. The payday was huge, but I get it. When you're trying to get, when you're, you know, when you're aggressive and you're looking for a certain thing, and you find, and you finally find that certain certain thing on the market, you typically overpay for things. When you're desperate, and when you're in search of something that you really, really want, and you finally see it on the open market, you tend to overcompensate for it. You tend to pay a little bit much for it. You tend to exchange a little too much for it. So that's what my I feel like that's what Miami did a little bit. Now, like I said, have you always noticed like in the NFL, the team that has like the best offseason, you realize that's usually not the team that wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, like when the, the team that makes all of the moves, all of the good moves. That's usually not the team that wins the Super Bowl. And with Miami, fast re- like they got a really fast receiver. That's not winning you a Super Bowl. Tua Tonga Valoa is a limitation. <laughs> he is a limitation. It's as simple as that. And as a talent, is Tua, he's definitely not the most talented quarterback in this division because this is what I'm thinking about. Miami, and you can think two things at once. I say this all the time. Two things can be true. Two things can be true. Miami has made a good, has done a good job with, you know, being more offensive focused, but Tua is a limitation. He's a huge limitation. And, and I know a lot of people are thinking about, okay, so, you know, restructured offensive line, you know, Really fast receivers on the outside. You got Mike Jacecki at tight end. Like, you're looking at this team. You're looking at this roster, and you're like, oh, you know, man, yeah. That, you know, the Dolphins look like they're okay. There should be no excuses for Tua. There shouldn't be no excuses for Tua. But he has limitations. Arm isn't that strong. And what you're doing is here, like, the ingredients that you need to continue to win in the NFL – as I just explained with Kansas City, Kansas City has that. Miami don't have that type of culture. The Miami's owner, uh, 
GM, uh, you know, uh, you know, Tua, uh, coach is a rookie. So we don't really know what we're getting for Miami. They finished off the year pretty good, but that was under Brian Flores. That was under different leadership. That was under a different culture. When I look at a guy like Tua, I see a guy that just massively have underachieved, and I think we fell into the hole at Alabama where he just had he had some in most games in most games in Tua's collegiate career he had the superior talent on his side. Most times he was throwing to three and four first round receivers. I don't know if Tua and his capabilities fit the skill set of Tyreek Hill. And that's why I say I think Tyreek Hill is going to miss Tua. He's going to miss Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes more than Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes misses him. And it's not an anti-Tyreek Hill thing. I'm just looking at the quarterbacks. I'm just looking at who's throwing him the football. Because those deep, easy shots that Mahomes are able to take, that he that he's able to take and dissect with the arm strength and the arm talent, you're just not getting that with Tyreek Hill. You're just not getting that with Tua Tagovailoa. You're just not. You're getting a different type of guy. So with that, I'm not sure if Miami is going to be able to properly utilize Tyreek Hill the way we've seen him utilize in Kansas City. So then that brings up the question, the amount that Miami's paying him. If Miami can't fully utilize or properly utilize Tyreek Hill, that, then that means his production won't be as good. His production won't be as significant as it was in Kansas City because he's not being used the proper way. Which, And then when we look at the production and when his numbers go down and he's when he's not productive, we're going to be looking at Tyreek Hill like, huh. So he didn't live up to the expectations with the money. Kansas City made the right choice by not paying him. And I just feel like it's a little unfair to Tyreek Hill, but that's the circumstance. That's the situation. That's what's going to be said if it happens. With a guy like Tua, he has two burners on the outside, but I'm not sure if he has what it takes to fulfill the expectations and the void and how to fully utilize Tyreek Hill. By the way, fast receivers usually don't win NFL. They don't usually win Super Bowls. So this whole thing that, you know, everybody in Miami is getting all excited, and I understand, but everybody's just getting all excited for Miami, that usually typically doesn't win in the NFL. You got to have the quarterback, the proper quarterback combination with the coach on top of the front office. Miami, like I said, two things can be true. Miami shifting offensively, being smarter, seeing where the game is going. That's a great sign. I think Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill signing, that was good. That was good. That was a great signing. But, but it has me wondering, does Tua has what it takes? Can he overcome these limitations? Can Tyreek Hill help him overcome these limitations? And will Miami properly utilize Tyreek Hill? Because if they don't, he's gonna he's not going to live up to expectations. That's a little unfair for Tyreek Hill, but that's the situation. And that's what's going to be said. So that's my take. Also on Kansas City, rinse and repeat. Wide receiver talent is immense. There's great wide receivers that come out every year and every year in the draft. And like I said, Tyreek Hill, what he's able to do, it can't be duplicated. Those capabilities can't be duplicated. But can you find other really good receivers, great receivers in the draft and throughout the league? Yes, you can. In Kansas City, right now, they have the most salary cap space in the league. They have 12 picks going into the draft. And they have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I think Kansas City would be just fine. Boy, oh boy, the NFL season, NFL offseason, I should say, <laughs> has treated us really well. And I know a lot of you guys are just so excited for this upcoming season. 
Um, like myself, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see how things translate and play. Um, a lot of people are going to be looking at the AFC. It feels like for me, and it's it's really interesting because since I've been watching football, I've been watching football since I was a little kid, and you know, following the sport and so forth. It seemed it always seemed like the NFC was the conference that got like I don't know a little bit more attention, and I feel like with the AFC, like we like. It's been the same faces and names dominating it, like since I've been watching football. Think about it. I'm 20 years old. The Patriots dynasty was for 20 years, so it was majority New England winning the AFC, or you would see them playing in high upper echelon AFC playoff games. And in those years in between, you know, a Peyton Manning led team. Uh, a Ben Roethlisberger-led team, uh, the Ravens snuck in there. Like, that would happen occasionally, but it was the same faces dominating the AFC. So I felt like, I feel like the NFC just got a more, it got more attention because it had more parity and more competitiveness. With the AFC, it was like, oh, Brady, Peyton, more Brady, more Brady, more Brady. Okay, a little bit of Peyton, a little bit of Roethlisberger. Brady, 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 <laughs> Patriots. So, like, that's been that with, with the NFC, with the AFC for my basically my entire life. But over the past couple of years, we've seen some new faces emerge. We're seeing new superstar coaches and quarterbacks and players. And now the AFC is just, it's definitely, it's definitely the deeper conference. Um, yeah, like it's definitely the deeper and better conference. So it's it's a really interesting dynamic that we're getting here. But with March Madness, I know March Madness is uh it's getting the thick it's getting into the thick of things. We got teams advancing to the Elite Eight. Um I, I, I like I like St. Petersburg. I know they seem like they're the first. I think they're gonna be the first 15 seed to make the Elite Eight. Um I, I know they play tonight. So I'm gonna I'm I'm making a prediction. I think Purdue, the Big Ten has has been struggling, and the Big Ten usually struggles in the in the in the tournament because essentially what comes down to winning these tournament games is coaching and guard play. Like if you have guard play, if you have great guard play, you usually go far in the tournament. You look at the teams that's gone far in the tournament in the past, like the Cinderella teams, they usually have really, really good guard play. Uh and I feel like with the Big Ten. The reason why, and I talked about this last year because the Big Ten struggled in the tournament last year, but the Big Ten, they lack, like, really great guard play. Usually the Big Ten, they have really dominant bigs. They usually have really dominant bigs. Um, You know, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan uh, last year. uh, It was the kid out of Iowa. So... You know, now Illinois, they got coffee, they got Coburn, Cockburn. So, like, usually there's, there, there, there is, um, there's usually dominant bigs in the Big Ten. And typically that hasn't had so much success in recent memory in the tournament. And that, and guard play is what gets it done. So, I think St. Peter's, I think they're going to pull off the upset. I think they're going to be the first 15 seed ever to make the Elite Eight. Um, Duke looks really poised. Um, you know, I'm just giving you guys a little rundown. I know I couldn't get to any like NBA topics or uh college basketball topics. I must say, I must say, I did go to Kevin, I went to Kevin Garnett's uh jersey retirement, right, in Boston. And I must say, it was it was any it was a spectacle event. The game was really good, like you know, seeing Dallas, the, the the Mavericks and the Celtics played, you know, two really good teams, two playoff teams, uh, two teams that I can see really making some noise in the playoffs, right? Um, and, and Boston did lose, even though I think Boston right now, I talked about it not too long ago, but I think the Celtics, they are looking like one of the favorites out of the Eastern Conference. Like, do we really trust Miami? We I'm going to talk more about that um, in the next coming, coming episodes. 
But I think Boston is really legit. I think they're one of the, I think they should be considered one of the favorites out east. But regardless, uh, I wanted to, you know, talk about KG's retirement. Uh, that was that was a spectacle event. Really fun. Uh, I must say the Boston fans, they give me a lot of hell. But boy, they show up and they show out for their teams. I must say that about the Boston fans. They show up and they show out for their teams and for their guys. And Kevin Garnett, granted, he started his career in Minnesota. Um, you know, his prime MVP caliber years were in Minnesota. And then when he got to Boston, he was on the back end of his prime. He was still really good in Boston, really good. Um, but Boston, like, really, they really embody him and cherish him like they're his, like they drafted him. Uh, so that was really cool to see the Celtics remember Kevin Garnett like that. It was really good seeing Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and KG all back together. So that was really fun. That was what I did over my little break, right? Vacation, you know, a little, little vacation. Um, really, really thankful um, to be able to, to be able to see that event, you know, to be able to see that type of historic event. That was really good. That was really cool. Um, like I said, Boston really showed out. Mm, saw a couple people in the front, and saw a couple, saw a couple, couple people in the fan, in the stands, in the crowd. Due to the jersey that I had on, they did not like me. Couple words, <laughs> people. <laughs> I got a couple swirl, swear, you know, people were swearing at me or whatever. It was all funny games, all competitiveness and so forth. You know how Boston get, but, 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 uh, really cool event. <clears throat> Like I said, I want to talk more about NBA, uh, getting close to the NBA playoffs in the next coming episodes. But, boy, the NFL offseason has been a treat. It's been a treat. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to wrap it up right here. Um, those are some of the major topics. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams getting traded, Sean Watson getting traded, Tyreek Hill getting traded. Ooh, that was really brewing. Um, but that that was that was that was good. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I'm out. See ya.